Hi folks, this is Mike Hancock here and I want you to rave about this podcast. In fact, rave so much I want you to subscribe if you haven't subscribed. And if you have subscribed, it would be great if you shared this podcast, if you love it, on one of your social media platforms so that we can get other people that are into worldwide business intelligence and conscious leadership together. Now, when you think of the terminology worldwide, that means across the world, business, that means it's going to affect your business, your job, your career, your vocation, and your prosperity. And then there's intelligence. And intelligence is the underlying current that sits behind everything that gives you the fastest way to get somewhere, rather than doing it the old way, the dumbass way. So today we're going to be talking about something that's very dear to me. It's the construct of energy. And I want you to understand that the point here in this podcast is to really get you thinking about the way the world works, because most of you are working too hard. Most of you have up to the amount that you've been working in the last couple of years. And most of you aren't necessarily getting as far as what you want to get. So let me bring that into absolute um, relevance for you with our podcast today. I'm going to ask you a question. It's a question I've asked audiences all over the world. And it's a question I want to ask you today. If the internet is so damn good then why is it that you and I are working just as hard as our parents and grandparents were and are probably pretty much in the same position that they were? Middle class. So, if this wonderful thing is doing what it does behind us, then why aren't we getting ahead? What's going wrong? You see, when you analyze it, you have become a very reactive person. Whereas in the past, your grandparents were probably much more proactive. They'd look at the sun outside and say, it's time to plant some more potatoes. The winter is coming. They would look at the seasons and say, I am going to walk the dog today because it's going to rain tomorrow. Not us. We don't operate like that. We rely on the internet. And half the time, that is wrong and half of the stuff on here is absolute rubbish. So we are going to get to the point here because today we're talking about the construct of energy. Now, it was back in September 2015. Um, We just spent the last basically nine days traipsing with our group all over Turkey, starting at Gallipoli Cove, uh, where my family served in the First World War. And we were lucky enough to be there at not quite on the 100-year anniversary, but in the 100th year of Gallipoli. And I stood at the Wall of Heroes at Lone Pine Cemetery and read the name of my great-uncle, Private Albert John Hancock. Um, Basically killed on the 25th of April. That was Anzac Day for the Australians and New Zealanders there. 1915 during the landing. And I considered all of the angles looking at Anzac Cove from wherever the Turkish could shoot at the people landing there. And I thought, wow, there's no doubt that there was 42,800 people killed because these people had very, very little chance. Yet, we went from that scene there at Lone Pine and we walked up the hill, basically, sorry, we went from the scene at the, the landing, we walked up towards the Lone Pine Cemetery And around there, we came to some of the trenches. 
And it was fascinating for me because here were the trenches of World War One, 100 years later, and 42,000 people had died basically trying to capture this beach, which was a mistake, by the way. And they'd been there nine months before they packed up and literally went home. So they put all this effort in, all this blood, all this life, all this sorrow, all this death that happened. And then they just packed up and left. And here we are 100 years later and right in the same spot, Lundy, my partner, and I are watching little children play hide-and-seek in the trenches and go boo. So laughing, laughing, laughing as children's do. I thought to myself, what a difference just some time makes. It wasn't Gallipoli that really got me excited about Turkey. It was another place. And I think we were very lucky to be able to go to this place. It's really off the grid, but it's a place called uh, Gebekli Tepe. And it's just 12 kilometers from a town called uh, San Liurfa and just 60 kilometers from the Syrian border. And it was right in the middle of the Syrian crisis. And so Gebekli Tepe was a place that I'd actually studied for years. And it turns everything every one of you know about history that you and I were taught in school absolutely on its head. It turns science on its head, it turns religion on its head, and it turns life on earth totally upside down. Now, this place was discovered by a farmer in the early 1960s, but it's in absolute conjecture um, and embarrassing in many ways to the archaeological hierarchy. So I'm going to explain. The site goes back 12,000 years to the end of the last ice age. That's 6,000 years before Stonehenge which, by the way, is the exact same amount of time between Stonehenge, apparently the most civilized thing on the planet, and us, take that back further again. So this is a really special thing. But also, it lasted for 3,000 years, this site, before being covered up. It wasn't abandoned. Somebody went to a lot of trouble to actually cover Gebekli Tepe up. It's 7 to 10 acres of site that has been covered up. The design, the architecture, the project management, the construction was thought to be absolutely impossible until thousands and thousands of years later. And it certainly wasn't even considered until the Egyptians built their temples, which today are only 4,000 years old, which is one third the amount of time that Gebekli Tepe existed. It would have taken hundreds and hundreds of people to construct it over many years in organized groups, and no organized group was thought to have existed for at least 6,000 years after Gebekli Tepe was designed. Some of the stones are up to 60 tons. They weigh almost the same as the space shuttle. So how did they move them? How did they lift them? Let's not go into that. But what I'm sharing this for you is that as we stood on the hill and we looked at the carved animals standing on the T-stones of Gebekli Tepe and we're giving a blessing to the universe, I realized one thing. There is something going on in our life and our history that is beyond our ability as human beings to comprehend and it means that life doesn't work the way my teachers and my masters told me that it did. Things don't work as you and I were led to believe they do. So when did we lose this intelligence that 
seemingly was worldwide because there are many other ancient sites. Most of them are under the water. They're not necessarily above the water like Gebekli Tepe. They go back even further than Gebekli Tepe. For those of you that are hearing this for the first time, why are they under the water? Because after the last ice age, the sea rose by 180 meters. That's 450 odd feet. For those of you that are listening in America, that's covered up most of the um, coastal cities around the world during that time. So if you're living on a coastal city right now, and I am, you can probably hear the ocean in the background of this podcast. If the ocean goes up 450 odd feet, then um, I'm definitely going to be underwater and I'm on the sixth floor as I'm talking to you. You see, there's Einstein believed that there was an equation for the unified field of the universe which would explain why everything existed. Today, we actually know, because, and I said it in the last uh, podcast that we did, that all matter comes from light and all light comes from sound. So it's the sound vibration that's creating everything. And we are just waves of vibration. You and I are just waves of vibration. Plato said, geometry is going to draw in the soul towards truth and create the spirit of philosophy. And to understand geometry is to understand life. And sacred geometry is the source code of Einstein's unified field. Sacred geometry is the fundamental blueprint of all nature and all creation. I realized this because we had a company between 2007 and 2018, sorry, 2019, called Soul Journeys. And during the time that we owned that company, I led uh, Soul Journeys to 26 different countries around the world. One of the places we like to visit regularly was Egypt. And when I first went to Egypt and I first went to Abydos and we took a group there in 2008, actually it was my third trip to Egypt, but my first time to Abydos, the Temple of the Osirian. Um, That's a very special place. uh, It holds the, the, the stunning Temple of Seti I, but that's not why it's so special. It also has the lineage of all the kings and queens of Egypt in those, but that's not why it's special. In fact, Seti had the list carved of 76 previous rulers of Egypt before him, which is called the King's List, which is how we know about the kings of Egypt. And then also it goes back into other kings and other queens before that. It's very obscure. But one of the fascinating things that we got groups to do when we stood in front of the King's List is we got them to use uh, diffusion and convergence with their eyes. So it's basically a blurring of your eyesight there. And when that happens, this wall of kings starts to come alive. It's like those old first Walt Disney cartoons with Mickey Mouse where everything sort of jaggedly walks, but the hieroglyphs come to to actually life. And some hieroglyphs, if they're properly carved around Egypt, you'll see that they take on a three-dimensional coming-to-life animation style when you use different techniques in your mind. So it got me thinking that in this completely different era, right back then, and hieroglyphs aren't old language, they're much more, it's much more advanced language than English, it got me to understand that this technology, we are not utilizing our brains in the same way in which we did in the past. We're not more advanced, we are less advanced. If we can get stone to come to life by using a simple technique, 
that we really happened upon. It's not a taught technique. Very few people know of this. So then what were the ancients actually doing and how were they translating messages through eternity on stone? So back to the Osirian. On there, there is a symbol. Some of you listening to this have probably got this tattoo or have seen it or are very familiar with it. It's called the Flower of Life. Now, you'll find the Flower of Life depicted in many ancient cultures, China, the Mayans, they all had it, the Indus Valley, they all had it. Da Vinci studied and drew the Flower of Life. He is absolutely obsessed with it. It was one of his fascinations. So from the Flower of Life, which, by the way, is very finite because it's actually 21 different circles, 21 levels of circles within circles. Why is it not bigger? Because you can see that this is an endless pattern that goes on and on because the human mind cannot comprehend any more than what is in the flower of life. That is the level of our current human comprehension. But when it breaks down, it starts with one circle. In the middle of that circle, there is nothing. Sorry, there is everything. In the middle of a circle, there is everything. Outside of it is nothing. It's like our earth. On our earth, there is everything, and in it, there is everything we know. Outside of it, there's nothing because we don't know about it. Um, so when nothing gets bored or when something gets bored, it brings another something on. That creates two circles together, like the earth and the moon. When they come and meet, it's called the vesica piscis, and it's the basis of all sacred geometry. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because when we're in Egypt, we realize that the Egyptians had this absolute and total understanding of sacred geometry. In fact, the Egyptians really, really understood what sacred geometry was totally about. And it was built in and hardwired into their temples and into their edifices as well. In fact, when you go to places like Abu Simbel, you'll see the, the statues of Ramses II there. They are in perfect Sim, their imperfect symmetry with sacred geometry, with the Vesica Piscus, with what is known in Christianity as the Holy Trinity, and so on and so forth. But the Egyptians believed something else that's relevant for our discussion today, and that's that they believed in the duet. The duet um, is basically the black and white of the universe. So it exists as an underworld beneath our world. Now, I'm going to go into this into two ways. If you look at the duet, it's positive and negative. It's male and female. It's yin and yang. It's in, being in or out. It's black or white. It's binary code, which is the basis of all computer systems. It's day and night. It's good and evil, love and hate. It's being alive or dead. This is what they believed in. And so when you look at binary code, which actually makes up our DNA, and there are 20, 64 strands of our DNA, which also relates to the 64 hexagrams in the I Ching, one of the world's oldest books, you start to see that the world is happening much differently than what you and I think. In fact, the more you dig into this stuff, the more you realize that we are simply a microcosm of the macrocosm of the patterns that exist universally. Now, I don't believe for one minute that the whole thing about Gebekli Tepe and everything like that and the whole thing is actually just a bunch of bump. I actually believe it's more real than your business plan, than your bank account and everything like that. But I want to go back to this, how important this transference of knowledge is. Where did it come from? 
It, a lot of people say, say that this original knowledge, as far as they could link it back, it came from the Sumerians. Where did the Sumerians come from? Iraq. What was the Iraq war about? Was the Iraq war about um, the oil? No. America's got plenty of oil underneath America. And, you know, these days they found that oil is replenishable, even though they told us it wasn't. Another thing that we um, were misled at at school. But more importantly than that is that Iraq held a deep knowledge. We know it wasn't about nuclear weapons because we know they never found any. And they're smart enough to know they were there because they knew the Russians had them. They knew China had them. They knew North Korea had them. Why didn't they know whether Iraq had them or not? It isn't a guess. They have the intelligence. Bottom line is they went into Iraq to learn and take a lot of the ancient wisdom, the language and the writing, even as we have it today. The very first language, which is Proto-Indo-European, came from Iraq, came from Sumeria. And these days, that information is very much missing. It's gone. It's been taken from Iraq. You certainly can't go and see it at any museum. So now we have this thing called the rebirth of consciousness. And in, an, in 1950s, a man who I met briefly before his death, uh, Jose Aguilas, really birthed this whole consciousness thing based on him visiting a tomb of an ancient Mayan priest called Paco Voltan and bringing to the fore what we knew as the Mayan prophecies. Now, he was a university lecture, lecturer. And in August of 1987, um, there was to be a significant event called the Harmonic Convergence, the lining up of the planets. It's a rare thing that we have a planetary alignment in one line. So he wanted to organize a get-together of people to really celebrate the occasion of the Harmonic Convergence. Now, he's hoping that people are going to meditate and discuss and do ceremonies to open up the whole shift to consciousness that was going to happen in 2012. But it was before the internet. So how did he get it out there? He just started to talking to people at the college and over 200,000 people turned up at this place, basically in the middle of the Sedona Desert. And that triggered the greatest shift of consciousness in mankind en masse. The harmonic convergence was basically the lead up to the global shift in 2012. And all sorts of people, including people like James Redfield and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, were triggered into their level of being able to share at this time. The next most significant event happened in around 1995, and that's really when I was triggered to start looking into this stuff myself. I was in a ketos deep in the Amazon jungle, and I found a book that was literally only a month old at that stage, written by James Redfield, called The Celestine Prophecy. If you haven't read it, I suggest that you read it. Go and grab your copy. But what that shared with me at that time when I read it, and it's based in Peru, and I was in Peru when I read it, um, it was really about a spiritual journey in Peru and the insights and the unraveling of consciousness of mankind. Now, here we are today. We live in this material world and we think that if we work hard, we're going to get somewhere. We think if we have a business plan, we're going to have a great business. We think that if we just focus on our to-do list and tick as many boxes off that as we can. We're going to get the job done and we're going to shift state and we're going to become millionaires. That, folks, is not the case. And it comes down to really a beautiful three words. The law of attraction. 
which is really based on the fundamentals of the universe, which is based on the fact of everything these ancient people knew, from shifting massive stones to understanding consciousness, to be able to use parts of their brain that we have long since forgotten to use. Attraction comes from the word traction. And traction comes from the word action. So the falsity in business today, when you look at certainly the the thing that I've been talking about today, the construct of energy, the falsity in business and the falsity in our lives today is that we have to follow a linear path, an A to Z of getting something done to get where we want to go in business. That is not true. It is 100% not true. In fact, it may be the single biggest thing that keeps you stuck right at the moment. The fact of the matter is that if we take some action, even if it's frantic action of sorts, and we start doing something that's proactive, then we'll create some traction at some point. And that traction, if we keep moving it forward, will create a traction. And I want to share how the universe works. When I'm recording this podcast, whenever you're listening to it, when I'm recording it, it's 2020. And in 2020, we had the COVID virus. And it got all of us to stay at home and the world changed. And it changed substantially. But it was only a few years ago, and I've never shared this with with anybody, um, with the exception of my partner, Landy Jack. But it was only a few years ago that we were traveling absolutely hectically and backwards and forwards all of the time, all over the world. And we still love to travel. However, I sat on planes and I used to think to myself, gee, it's strange. A lot of Asian people, particularly in Asia, wear these face masks and they even sit on planes wearing face masks and they line up wearing face masks. I thought this is really strange. And it got me thinking, these damn face masks are so boring. They're absolutely boring. You know, if you're going to look stupid wearing a face mask, hiding your natural glorious face behind this white clinical face mask as you stand in an airline queue, I don't know why people don't have really cool face masks. You know, why don't you get one with Homer Simpson's bottom jaw on it and make it funny? Why don't you get a statement on there like, I live life to the fullest, or um, ask me how I eat through this thing, something funny. Why don't you get a picture of a forest on there? Why don't you get a picture of your own face on there to make up your face? And I started thinking this, I thought, this would be a really cool business. I could actually go into the face mask business. I should do this. That's what I thought. And then, in my usual inimitable way, I went, Mike, why don't you just stop having stupid ideas? You're constantly having stupid ideas. Just get on the plane and go and do your ordinary business. There was one of my billion-dollar ideas that went south. Now, there was no rationale behind it. It was a quantum drop. And if you don't understand what a quantum drop is, then listen to the podcast prior to this one when I talk about the quantum world. You see, I'm doing action. I'm creating traction. And in many ways, I create attraction. And then the universe chooses to reward you 
by giving you the number one idea that all you have to do is start creating some face masks. In fact, I thought at the time, well, I could do this and just have a business that ticked along the side, making a couple of thousand dollars extra a month for me, and that would be easy. I wouldn't even have to run it. It could all be online. But simply by having that business, if I had that now, that could be literally a hundred million, a billion dollar business right now. And, you know, some of you, welcome, take the idea, go and do it. I'll have a million ideas and I'm very, very happy. But I want to say this to you, that once you understand that all is not as it seems in the world, once you understand that most of the people who taught you that the world was as it is, the way you think that it is, were also taught that way and that it's not right. And once you go and see for yourself these wonderful things that existed on our planet tens of thousands of years before, and there is so much of it now that is coming to the surface. You know, I used to think it was exciting 15 years ago to be able to share something like Gebekli Tepe. You know, I wrote about Oak Island and the treasures that was buried there and how it was linked back to the Templar Knights and how the Templars got their wisdom from ancient Egypt and all of those things. I wrote about that in 2010. Since 2015, there's been a television show about Oak Island, which is one of the most watched shows on the History Channel. So it's not about these things ignoring them any longer. They're in the mainstream now. So you and I have to think differently. We have to act differently. Having a to-do list keeps you stuck. Why? I don't know hardly any days of my business career where I've managed to tick off everything in my biz on my to-do list. So every day I'm failing if I have a to-do list. Every day I'm giving myself the thought that I am failing. Is that any way to set up my life? Heck no. So I want you to start thinking differently. I want you to start looking at business plans differently. Why can't you have a business plan for this week? That would be a good business plan that you may be able to achieve. Why don't you set a business plan for 10 years, which is just an idea, and start committing it to writing and putting it down? Why don't you build a dream board? And on that dream board, you know, once you've Put those dreams down, write down when it's going to be achieved by, tuck it away and see what happens and just take some action. I can't tell you how many people at the moment in the world are taking action the wrong way. They think that action is putting a Facebook post on. They think that action is having a website. That's not action. Action needs to make other people act. So your action is simply entertainment if it's not encouraging other people to act. So encouraging other people to act doesn't mean go here and buy this today or you will lose out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm encouraging you to act right now differently. Yes, you can go to our website circleofexcellence.biz and have a look at what we're doing. Yes, you can get onto our, our um, Facebook groups and all of those things. I could give you a million actions to take. Buying the Conscious Leadership book, 
Whatever it is, that's not what I'm here for. My action I want you to take today is to consider that the world is not as it seems. Consider that there is a sacred consciousness that the world works on energy and that the construct of energy is that all matter that comes from light and all light comes from sound. And a lot of people knew this and the world worked very differently. By the way, when you come to a truly ancient city, and I'm not talking about Carcassonne in France or, you know, um, somewhere else in the middle of Germany. I'm talking about a truly ancient city. Like uh, Luxor is a truly ancient city. Like uh, Gebekli Tepe is a truly ancient city. Like Machu Picchu is a truly ancient city. Or Tetwanakan or Tiwanakau, right? Those are truly ancient cities that go back thousands and thousands of years. Guess what? None of them had a wall built around them. Why not? There can only be two reasons. Number one reason, they didn't need it because there was so much peace and harmony because of the way in which the world lived in that time. There was no wall that needed to be there. Number two, the technology was that great that a wall wouldn't have withstood any onslaught anyway. So don't think for one minute that our friends back in time didn't also have the types of technologies far more advanced than ours today. We just can't wrap our head around them. But if you want to understand what they were, maybe read some of the Indian sacred scriptures. It's very clear in there what their technologies were. That's about it for today, folks. I want you to understand that there is a polarity and a duality on the world, black and white. But within that, There is always the grey, and that's where most of us are sitting. The time has come where we need to have a foot in both camps. You can't live all in the material world. It's like hopping on one foot. You can't live all the time in the spiritual world. It's like hopping in one foot. You have to have a solid balance between both. You have to think more bird's eye view. I do as well. I too can move into the material world far too often, you may want to organize your business differently than what you've ever thought about organizing it before. You may want to give up your to-do list. You may want to ask for some downloads from the universe, God, whoever you believe in, to actually come in to guide you. And you may want to look for the subtle innuendos in what people are telling you that are going to steer you rather than the absolutes. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Make sure that you subscribe to um, this particular podcast and make sure that you share it with your friends as well if you found this interesting and engaging. I'm Mike Hancock, the chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group. We've got so much stuff in the Circle of Excellence Group. Just go and have a look at our website, circleofexcellence.biz, and you will find a place for yourself in there for certain. I will catch you around.